Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hello, fellow Creative Control listeners. My name is Mac Cameron. I live in Toronto, and I have been listening to Creative Control with Vish Khanna since episode 119. That featured all five members of one of my favorite bands, Constantine's. I listen backwards from there and then forwards, and I know it sounds, you know, over the top or cliche, but finding the show changed the course of my life. It inspired me to pursue a career in radio and to do what I can to support the arts in my community and across the country. So I give to Creative Control because I feel like I owe the show and Vish uh, for helping me figure out what the hell to do with my life. Beyond that, I give to Creative Control because I think independent media, especially insightful, entertaining, thoughtful, and thorough independent media is something that is worth paying for. What I appreciate about Creative Control is Vish's ability to treat Canadian artists, or any artist for that matter, with the seriousness and appreciation he would any other artist. His excellent rapport with people like Steve Albini and the members of Fugazi and Stephen Malcolmus and others have earned him international appreciation. However, it's his trove of interviews with what I consider to be the most exciting generation of Canadian musicians conducted out of genuine passion and interest that makes this show so special. I think it is an archive of some really exciting music that is way, way underreported on and appreciated. That's why I contribute to Creative Control with Vishkana, and I hope you will do the same. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that.
Tom McGreevy and Evan Lewis are musicians who originally hail from the United States of America and Australia, respectively, but currently call Toronto, Ontario home. Meeting after mingling at concerts in their hometown and beyond, the pair eventually began collaborating on music and formed a band together called Ducks Limited. Their excellent debut album is called Modern Fiction, which is available via Royal Mountain Records in Canada and Car Park Records worldwide on October 1st, 2021. Ahead of its release, Tom and Evan connected with me for a chat about their history together as friends and how Ducks Limited came to be, their pop sound, and how their songwriting collaboration works exactly, playing unplugged electric guitars and watching U.S. Open tennis on the TV, the lyrical themes on modern fiction, old times with Neil Young, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is the 639th episode of Creative Control featuring the lovely and talented Tom and Evan from Ducks Limited with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hello, Ducks Limited. Are you there? Yes. Hello. 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 Nice to uh, speak with both of you. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Oh, I should introduce myself since we've never met. I don't know if we've met. We'll find out in a second. I'm Vish. Uh, Tom, are you there? I am indeed. Hello. Thanks so much for having us on. It's my pleasure, Tom. It's my pleasure. Where in the world are you? I'm in Toronto. Nice. How are things going in Toronto? Good. Can't complain. Yeah, I'm actually in our practice space, which is in the basement or the downstairs floor of the Royal Mountain office. Oh, cool. That sounds good. Okay. And everything's all right. And Evan, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Hello. Nice to uh, talk to you this way. Uh, Where in the world are you? I'm also in uh, Toronto. Okay. That's good. Undisclosed location. I understand. Keeping the fans (laughs) at bay. (laughs) I'm I'm up on uh, Davenport Street for any of the heads. Okay, just making sure we get some coordinates on uh, Evan there. Evan, I detect a Toronto accent there. Are you born and raised in Toronto? Uh, yeah, uh, no, I was born and raised in a place called Geelong in Australia. Australia, wow. The land down under is a bunch of us idiots call it. Do you know why we call it the land down under? Do you guys call it the land down under? I don't know. I feel like the song has maybe popularized that. I don't, yeah, I don't know if people did before that. I'm guessing so. We're at the bottom of a map, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I think the stereotype is that uh, Australia is filled with a lot of men at work. Is that is that a stereotype? Uh, yeah, but it's, it's pretty accurate. Okay. There's lots of, lots of men at work. Okay, just making some puns. Anyway, it's nice to uh, chat with you <laughs> there. Uh, now, I, I said at the top, I don't actually know... I don't believe I've had the pleasure of seeing Ducks Limited in concert. Uh, Tom, have we met before? 
Uh, I'm not sure that we have. We may have briefly. Okay. I think I think we once said hello at a Sloan concert. Oh, at a Sloan concert. Yeah, in Ottawa. They were playing... Oh, yes. Two of their albums front to back, I think. And you were introducing them, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, that's right. That was at the Arboretum Festival in 2016, as I recall. That is accurate, yes. Yes, and we met, like we actually had a conversation? It was a brief hello. Okay, what were, what were you doing there? What, what capacity <laughs> were you serving at the show? I think we were just, I can't remember on that one. I, can't, I don't think I had any, any immediate function. We were just uh, going to see the bands that day. Oh, okay, you were just visiting town. Yeah, I think a bunch of friends were going. I'm trying to think if I was playing in another band, but I don't think I was. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's fair. I remember it being a good show, though. It was good. That was the show where uh, I, at the end, uh, the crowd was going nuts, and they were demanding an encore, and I kind of egged them on, thinking that they might get one. And then, like I said something like, do you guys want it? Like, the city and all the people are like, you cannot, they cannot play one more song. We're past curfew. I said, okay. And then I went off, went back on stage, which as the MC, they would think, oh, he's going to bring them back out. And I said, do you guys want to hear one more song? And everyone went, yeah. And I went, that's unfortunate. Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone booed and yelled at me. And Sloan thought it was funny. I think some people thought it was funny. Do you remember this? Am I making this up? I I don't recall this part of it, but that's uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So that uh, anyway, I, I I remember. I think it's on the internet. I believe it's on the internet somewhere. But anyway, that's fine. Now, uh, same Evan, same that's Evan, great. same question. Have we encountered each other before? You work? Do you work at Sonic Boom Records in Toronto? Yeah, I do. And I feel like I've met you. Maybe are you friends with Andy Lloyd? I feel like yeah. maybe he introduced me to you at some point. Yeah, Andy is Andy still working there? No, he lives in Hamilton now. Okay. Um, hasn't worked there in a few years. But I feel like years ago you were in the store and he introduced us. Yes, Andy is a musician. Uh, played in a bunch of bands. Was he in the Was he in the Born Ruffians at one point? Yeah, and he was in Caribou for a while as well. Yes, Great that's right, yeah. Yeah, Andy's a very sweet guy, but I haven't seen him in many, many years. So yeah, you, probably I was buying records and Andy was like, here's Vish kind of thing. Is that how it worked? Yeah, I think so. You were buying, maybe selling records or something. And yeah, I, I can't quite remember, but I remember probably, meeting you. Probably wasn't selling records. I keep I keep everything. I'm a hoarder. <laughs> okay. I just keep <laughs> everything. I, got, I, I, I Yeah, it's too much. Anyway, it's nice to meet you both, and uh, congratulations on this uh, brilliant new record, uh, Modern Fiction. It's great. I really love it. Uh, so I'm, Thank you. I'm ha happy to have you uh, on the show. But for those who don't know, uh, we have to figure out uh, the origin story of this band, myself included. I have biographical information. I know a few things, but uh, let's begin with, uh, well, there's two things I want to begin with, actually. First of all, uh, we, we, one of you can address this, if not both. The band's name is Ducks Limited. I believe the band's former name was Ducks Unlimited. Is that, first of all, is that correct? That is, that is accurate, yes. Okay, thank you, Tom, <laughs> for chiming in. So uh, I think we all know that there are fewer ducks so uh, we understand why you would have changed the name. The environment, the climate change, there are fewer ducks. So it's gone from an un inf infinite, unlimited amount of ducks to fewer. I'm sorry, there's not as many ducks as you think. That's, I assume, what prompted the name change. So that's that. Does anyone, Evan, do you dispute my rationale? No, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, we go yeah. all our ducks together and realize we didn't have as many as we thought we did. It happens all the time. You put your ducks in a mm -hmm. row, as the expression goes, and you're like, where's... I thought we had more of these. What the hell? Okay, so now your duck's limited, so that explains that. 
Tom, how do you do you recall and fact check each other as we go? But Tom, do you recall how you first encountered Evan? Well, I I feel like there's some dispute on this, but I think my memory of this was at a house show in the old coffin factory lofts, though we recently discovered that we may, we at least crossed paths like years before when two other bands we were in had played together, but I don't think we actually met at the time. But we were, we were talking to somebody the other day who was talking about the Grounders. Uh, Evan used to be in a band called Grounders and their first EP, uh, Grand Prize Drawl. Uh, which uh, I think it, it was a show when they were playing that record, and I, uh, I, which I bought at the time, I believe. Or no, maybe I didn't buy it at the time. Anyway, I really liked it. Um, okay. But I think we, I think we formally met at uh, at a show at the Coffin Factory Lofts. That's my that's my memory of it. Evan, it's uh, your turn to uh, either corroborate or dispute Tom's recollection of your meeting. What do you make of what he just said? I think it's accurate. I don't know. It's it's a bit hazy because, yeah, we've both been around the Toronto music scene for a while and had a lot of mutual friends. I remember a friend took me to see Tom play a solo show at Handlebar, and I remember him playing this song called Annie Forever, which we ended up recording together, and, it, and I went up to him after he played it. I was like, that was a really good song. So I don't know if that was the first time we met. Yeah, it's a bit hazy. Okay, so maybe that's it fair. was a Coffin Factory. That sounds like somewhere we we would have been. Yeah, I don't know. Hard to say. So you saw Tom on stage and thought, "I got to get me some of that." Were you totally. performing on your own? No, yeah, I was playing in a band called Grounders, which ended up touring. Uh, Tom was in a band called Blonde Elvis, and we ended up touring together, and that's where we really got to know each other. Oh, I see. Grounders is that my kids love to play a game called Grounders on the local on the nearby playground here and the object is you're not supposed to touch the ground and they play with their eyes closed are you familiar with this game grounders yeah i believe that's what the band is named after i think it's also like a baseball term for a ball that rolls along the ground um ground ball. But it was yeah, named before i yeah, joined the group so i'm not 100 sure of the origin all right so you see and tom were you operating under your own name when you were playing that show that uh, Evan saw, yeah? No, that was, I think, a short-lived project I did called Farragos, like, many, many years ago. Okay, okay. And that was, like, maybe at the tail end of that when I was just kind of, like, maybe thinking about making another thing, and then I didn't do it. <laughs> so, but I was playing some of the stuff that would have been on the other thing had I ever made it. I see. Okay. So you two meet uh, somewhat socially uh, in a musical realm, but somewhat socially, Evan, do you recall who made the kind of suggestion that perhaps some collaboration of some sort could occur? Do you recall which one of you did that, Evan? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this earlier, is that, so we played a show, Grounders and Blonde Elvis, together in uh, North Bay. And I remember the <laughs> show because we showed up at the venue and the promoter came up to us and said, it's so great, you guys came this was going to be a really great show. Everyone was super excited to come out to see you, but there's now a boat party in town and it's not very often that we get to go on a boat and party. So unfortunately, hmm. probably no one's going to come to the show because uh, they're going to be on the boat, but hopefully you'll come back again sometime. We'll still pay you. And then we played the show, both <laughs> bands, and only one person came and that one person got so drunk that midway through the ground set, they were sitting on a chair and they fell off the chair 
and we had to stop mid-song and see if they were okay. Oh, no. And I remember after wow. that show, uh, Tom asked me, like, hey, do you ever write any music? And I was like, oh, here, here and there. And then you were like, oh, I've got some songs. You know, maybe looking at putting a band together. Can I send you some? Would you be interested? And then I think, like, the day after or a week later or something, Tom sent me the songs that became the genesis of what is this project. Wow. Okay. Tom, was there ever talk uh, among you and the promoters in North Bay to perhaps, you know, pull like a Sex Pistols and, and play a show on the boats or one of the boats? Could you have played on the boat? I actually didn't remember the boat detail. I, in like, in my memory was it was just like there was another show in town that night. The, the boat detail is a good one. I was actually, yeah, I was recalling that because we were just playing uh, FMA this past weekend and we drove up and so we had to go past North Bay like through North Bay essentially to get there and I was like oh yeah that's the place I played the worst show I've ever played (laughs) Um, because I I had not thought about North Bay since though it must be said that like while the show was like on paper very bad uh, we did have fun it was a nice and we had an enjoyable night so it's like I maybe worst show is the wrong word uh, wrong way to put it and I feel like yeah no, it was obviously the genesis for another thing so I guess uh, I should be grateful for for this North Bay show and the one person who showed up and fell off their chair yeah exactly they they are a lightning rod for your activity whether they know it or not mm-hmm, exactly okay so then uh, you so sorry Evan what, what did you play in your band what was your primary instrument uh, so guitar electric guitar okay and Tom do you have a primary instrument yeah, I play guitar as well. That's like the main thing I do. Right. But now the band is not simply guitar. Anyone who hears it, anyone with ears who can hear, will will be able to determine that it's not simply guitars. I'm curious about the division of labor, so to speak. Evan, uh, <laughs> what goes on in Ducks Limited to uh, for both of you to come up with a song? Does someone come in with lyrics? The other one says, okay, and a melody, I suppose, and says, okay, let's figure out a soundscape for this, or is it a hodgepodge? Evan, can you speak to that? How how does a Ducks Limited song come to be? So, yeah, Tom usually uh, sits down and writes a song on guitar, basically has a melody and some chords, and then he'll usually do a phone demo of that and send it to me or bring it over uh, to my apartment and then we'll kind of slowly build around it. So you, generally speaking, I would then record Tom playing both those parts, and then I would create a drum machine beat underneath them. Okay. Then we would both kind of sit down with a bass guitar and debate bass lines for a while, uh, figure out the bass line, have that fitting in with the other stuff, and then uh, we'll add lead guitars and uh, usually some organ on top of that and that's generally how we work. I see. Okay, well that's that's fascinating itself. So it's a two-man operation but you flesh it out, Evan, with various instrumentation once you, and, and you kind of dole it out. Who's doing what? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, just we kind of like go back and forth, you know. It's like very yeah. democratic and like if someone doesn't think a part is good, then we scrap it and we try and write a better one and we usually pass the instruments back and forth and you know, you someone you might hear something while someone's playing one thing that you go, Oh, there it is, that's the idea. You grab yeah. the instrument back and flesh it out. I don't know. It's it's very fun. Yeah. Tom, I want to uh, home in on what Evan was saying about your phone demos. I know people have uh, different methods for completing those. I, I, in my head, I picture you uh, breaking out the yellow pages, going through the white pages, 
and just calling people randomly on the phone and playing them your ideas. Is that your version of a phone demo? <laughs> that sounds like a better <laughs> idea than what I actually do. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, I guess the phone is just taking the place of, like, I guess what maybe would have been a Ford track in times gone by. I tend to just sort of like bang, yeah, bang out the, uh, the basic pieces of a song on an unplugged electric guitar and then play that unplugged electric guitar into the voice memos uh, app on my phone. And, you know, that's that's sort of yeah how I start at it. There's something unusually satisfying about coming up with parts on an unplugged electric guitar. I, I don't know if you find this, but I, as we're speaking, the three of us, I've been really engaged with the U.S. Open tennis. And but if oh. you if if you do so, if you and I do this with all sports, I can't just sit there anymore because I spend most of my days trying to create things or make things and feel like I got something done, which is a huge psychological problem I have as a artistic creative person or a wannabe artistic creative person. We don't have to get into that. We don't have to get into me. All I'm getting at, though, is I, I sit and watch five hours of tennis and I have to play electric guitar. Uh, I, have, I have to play some kind of guitar and I've chosen for the benefit of others. I mean, they can still hear it, but I just play electric guitar and I come up with all these parts and riffs that I forget. But I also find it very satisfying to sit there with the TV on and come up with something and then just play it ad nauseum. Is it particularly satisfying to create uh, music on an unplugged electric guitar for you, Tom? I think there's an element that it kind of, it works well with what we do in that it rings out at a much better volume if you keep strings open. So it encourages like a certain amount of jangle, I think. Yes. And it also uh, has a way of like allowing you to do a thing that I do kind of a lot of, which is just like moving chord shapes around the neck and like seeing how they feel. And the thing with that is that sometimes when you do that, there will be a note ringing dissonantly, but if you're playing it on an unplugged electric guitar, you won't notice. Uh, and only when you plug it in do you have to fix it, but you can like write using that. Yes. And there'll be kind of like weird places you'll end up finding yourself and, and sort of like just like different like voicing decisions that you'll make that will end up being kind of cooler, I think, just because of the way the sound of it feels. I, it was a thing we talked about a lot, actually, when we were kind of writing this record, that like sometimes if you're having struggle, having a hard time figuring something out, a way to fix that can just be to like grab a different kind of guitar. Mm. Like I wrote some of the songs on the record on a nylon string guitar and then just sort of ran out of ideas on the nylon string guitar. So like switched to a, an unplugged electric guitar. And then like later we did a couple that we wrote on a 12 string. And it just like, sometimes it helps to kind of like jog you out of a pattern or something. No, that's okay. That's very fascinating. And I appreciate that insight. Evan, uh, kind of a similar line of questioning. Uh, do you like tennis? <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I grew up playing tennis. My family's big into it. Re really? You grew up playing tennis. So how, when did you start playing tennis? Probably when I was about nine, and I probably played till I was 16, I think. Oh, man. It was most of my Saturdays were spent playing competitive tennis. Isn't that weird? I thought I would just throw a random joke question out, and I end up talking to Pete Sampras. How does that happen? Or, sorry, <laughs> who, who's like an Australian tennis hero? Is Rod Laver? No, who's who's from Australia? Who Who's a good tennis Yeah, yeah, Rod Laver's a good one. Laver's a good one, yeah. He's a, he's a legendary Australian tennis player. So tennis is tennis was big for you. Why'd you stop? Uh, I'm not huge into competition and being competitive. So I think around like 16, I was really big into music. Started skateboarding, and I found those more enjoyable ways to spend my time. So yeah. I stopped around then. Yeah. 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 I have a bit of a regret about that too. Cause in high school 
Uh, I never really put a whole lot of effort into trying to make it onto the basketball team, and I subsequently would always make it onto the the sort of, uh, what was it called? The midget team is what they called it, which is not even, it's the little people team at this point. <laughs> you can't call it that. But that was, the, there was like the junior team and then the team that wasn't as good. Um, and so I was always on that team, but now I can hit every shot. You know, I'm I'm in my 40s and I, I my kids, my son and his friends are like, what the hell? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm hitting all these shots. It doesn't make any sense to me either. Where was this in high school? So I, but yeah. but I think it was also because I was getting into music and art and around my time, I don't know how old you are, but this is for me, it was like 91, 92, 93. There was a real cultural divide among the kind of, even the mainstream underground rock and punk scene and jocks. And I just rejected the kind of sport, even though I like sports, I just rejected wanting to hang out with those people. Did you Did you not like any of the people you had to hang out with, Evan? Yeah, I can't say I ever kind of thought of myself as a jock or really liked them. My friends were more creative people, and I guess I gravitated towards that. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean, and it did used to be more the sense you were one or the other, you know? It was like you're into arts, you're into sports. Yeah. There wasn't too much where people's identities blended both, but that slowly broke down, which is nice. And now people like sports and they like music, yeah. and that's great. It feels it feels all right. Uh, sorry, uh, Tom. Tom, similar line of questioning. Do you like tennis? I don't know much about it, to be honest. I, I, I always, it's one of those things that I like aspired to be interested in. Uh, like whenever I, I, I'm a big fan of like Defector, uh, like the, the sports website of the former Deadspin staffers. And there's this guy, uh, Giddy Nathan, yeah. for that site, yeah. who writes uh, really great, like really great, insightful tennis writing. And every time I read one of his columns, I'm always like, oh man, I, I, I really want to get into this. And then every time that feeling dissipates within an hour or two and I never watch it. Yeah. Um, it seems cool, but I, I just can't make the commitment. Well, it's a big commitment for sure. I mean, I, I will tell you, and this is a true story, when I was a child... Uh, probably we, we, someone said they were around nine years old. Oh, I guess it was Evan. You were nine years old when you started playing tennis, right? Is that yeah. What you yeah. Yeah. So I was probably, I was a bit younger than that when I used to, uh, my dad had a record player, big honking giant stereo system. Like it was all one unit, massive thing. And you had to flip, uh, it was made of wood and you had to flip the lids up to get to the record player. And he had a little record storage thing and it was quite fascinating. Anyway, he had some records, not much. He was new to the country. So he had like, Dean Martin's Christmas record and the Hee Haw, you know, compilation for the Hee Haw show. Anyway, I would put on his Dean Martin Christmas record and I would take his tennis racket and I would pretend to sing and play guitar to the songs. And my parents, and this is not a joke, my parents saw me doing this and within three weeks I was in tennis lessons. So (laughs) that is also why I'm scarred by the jock music. I'm like, this is not what I wanted to be. I clearly... So it's just, I'm a bit scarred. Anyway, enough about me. This is, uh, it's nice to know that how you two got together. And so when did Ducks Limited really come to be? We haven't really specified times, uh, I suppose, or any kind of temporality as we've been discussing the band. Tom, do you recall when it really started to feel like you, you might be onto something and you could be a band? I mean, it's, it's hard to say because, yeah, I feel like we kind of played around with it for a while and it, there were some like kind of earlier iterations of it that didn't like fully gel. I think it sort of started to be the thing that it is now kind of maybe in like 2018 when we started, kind of got the songs together that ended up being on the first EP and started like properly working on that first EP. That was kind of when I think we 
started to sort of like refine the process, start to sort of properly realize that like the core of the thing was mine and Evan's creative partnership. And that was like, yeah, that was probably around then that that sort of like started to really come into focus. Okay. And and so Tom, are you just, uh, you're banging away at the guitar and, and then heading over to see Evan. Are you responsible for a lot of the lyrics? Me, yeah, I, I write most most of them, yeah. Right. And and Evan, do you contribute to the lyrics? Uh, not very often. Uh, there's like one song on a record called Rolling Moon. That was the demo that I made and bought to Tom. And Tom added some lyrics to that. So I think I'm in there somewhere. But mainly, yeah, Tom's the lyric guy. The song is called Under the Rolling Moon, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's a great song. Those are so Evan... You're batting a thousand as far as I'm concerned. If that's your only <laughs> lyrical contribution, that's a good one. I enjoyed that song. So that's good. Thanks so much. So, no, it's great. I love, I, I really enjoy it. So I, I want to get into, uh, sorry, Evan, similar question to what I just asked Tom. Yeah. Do you have a sense of when he sort of spoke to it? He sort of spoke to how Ducks Limited started to feel like a real thing. But do you have a different perception or were you? was there any other experience you had together where you thought, yeah, yeah. I think this this can be something this there's something here and we need to explore it. Do you have a perspective on that? I think no, he's right. It's around the similar time where we we tried to record a few times and it didn't really feel like what we wanted the band to sound like and then right around the time we made our first EP, we really sat down and spent a lot of time figuring out, you know, what we do best and how to make it sound like what we want it to and I think we really figured it out in this like one year period of just like a lot of experimenting. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say 2018 is pretty accurate. And, and sorry, Evan, how long have you been in Toronto? Uh, we've, we've been talking about Australia a little bit. How long have you been here? Or there, sorry. I think 14 years. Oh, okay. So you've been, you're ensconced at this point. You're not, you're not going anywhere. No, no, I'm, I'm here. Have you been back to Australia since the pandemic? Yeah, I was there for the first uh, four months of this year. Which is actually, oh, okay. uh, I mixed the record down there. Yes, I thought I had read that, so I was a bit curious about that. What Was it just because you saw lockdown coming and you thought, I better get home? Or what, what prompted you to take a trip back? Yeah, I hadn't been back in, I think, three years. Both my siblings had had kids that I hadn't met. And my grandma was moved into a nursing home. So there's lots of family stuff going on that I felt very distant from. Yeah. Um, and then basically we finished recording the record and there were no shows going on. So I was like, I have that rare six month period where I can go back and be with my family. And and, I, and we figured we wanted to record a stringent for the record and Australia was basically fully open at that point. So we, we couldn't have done it in Toronto. Couldn't get four musicians to sit close to each other to record. So we figured, okay, if I go back to Australia, I can record the string section there and then mix the record there and, yeah, see my family. So it was good. Okay. No, that's good. I'm glad you made it back. That's, uh, for some of us, that's uh, a luxury still, as, as, as I'm speaking. So, no, you're lucky. Totally. I was very lucky. Very lucky. Now, Tom, I'm curious about the sound of this band. Did you guys at any point have conversations about what you thought uh, an aesthetic to this band might be or because I'm just comparing Get Bleak your EP with Modern Fiction I think Modern Fiction feels at least sonically you know I I mean in an engineering sense of the word uh, like a step up and I do think also the songwriting is really really strong on this new record but I I go back to what I was trying to get to there 
Did you and Evan have conversations about where you thought the what, what you thought the base or the core of the band sound might be? Yeah, it, I mean, it's something that we talked about a lot. It's kind of the reason that we started making music together in the first place was like you know when we were talking about like that that show in North Bay and, and like just talking about stuff and, and realizing that we had like some really similar musical interests. And then I think like we kind of ended up introducing each other to some stuff that we the other wasn't as familiar with. Like Evan got me into the go-betweens. I'm really, really big into this Marxist jangle pop band uh, called McCarthy, who like later became Stereo Lab. And so I think there were like some touchstones of stuff that we were both interested in that we kind of got each other into. They're all sort of in this same general zone of sort of like 80s guitar pop that was mostly... Uh, pretty unpopular and largely came from uh, like the UK or uh, Australia, New Zealand. <laughs> I like the, when people are like, our our lodestar is stuff that d- didn't work for everyone else. It is just <laughs> severely unpopular. Let's go for that. Uh, Evan, does that, does that check out? Did, did Tom bring music to you uh, that you were like, oh, I, I'm not familiar with this? Uh, yeah, I, I could see us. Totally. Yeah. yeah, like the M- McCarthy and the Valanes were two big ones that I wasn't familiar with that he was very passionate about. Hmm. And then we kind of had bonded on things like Cleaners from Venus and The Clean and The Chills. And I really love Felt and I think I showed Tom Felt as well. So oh, yeah, there was just true. a bunch of things in like common common ground interests. that was like, this, is, this would be fun to start a band like this, you know? Yeah, so kind of clean but sort of damaged pop. Is that an accurate, Tom? Is that right? Like, it's something not quite... It's clean. It's catchy. It's infectious. There are hooks. I mean, I get your songs in my head all the time, but there's also this sense that it's a little little off-kilter somehow. There's something about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's... Yeah, I think that's the... That's sort of like... The appeal of our influences is more or less exactly what you're describing. Yeah. Uh, Evan, I was spending some time with the Modern Fiction lyric sheet over the last couple of days and uh, I was really really impressed with I guess it's mostly Tom's writing do you have a mm-hmm. do you have perspective on any kind of thematic connections or overarching you know an overarching theme between these songs on this record I sense some existential angst uh, modern fiction is a incredible term in an age of uh, because it's a literary term but we live in an age where people don't trust anything uh, that's going on. And, and so those kinds of themes kind of stepped out to me a little bit. But do you have any perspective on where, where Tom might have been coming from with these songs? Um, I'm sure he could speak way better to it than me. I know he said that it's about kind of the decline of uh, the modern world. But yeah, no, I, I, I would put it to him rather than me. I'm not a huge words guy, so I'm more like listening to the melodies and the music and production and things is where my brain goes. So I haven't really sat down and thought too much about an overall theme. I appreciate that you would think it would be counterintuitive to go to you instead of Tom. But I sometimes <laughs> feel like it's a, you almost, because you didn't write the songs, you almost have an objective viewpoint of them, even though you're in the band. So sometimes I do this little exercise. You say you're not a words guy. Uh, would you be more comfortable if I sang to you? Because we're using lots of <laughs> words today. I don't know what would please you, Evan. Is this better? I don't know. Tom, uh, Tom, I go to you because yeah, yeah, is that, yeah. was that better? That's was great. that more? Okay, sorry. Can you do, do, is this bad now that I'm talking normally? I know I'm using words. Uh, no, I'm just, just giving you a hard time there, Evan. Sorry about that. Uh, Tom, uh, do you, do you no want to speak to where you might have been coming from with these, uh, with this batch of songs? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think I think like there's a thing that I've like, I guess I've talked about in some context a little bit of just that, like, I think a lot of the music that we like comes from a sort of period, like it comes from a period of time where like the 80s in Britain, which was a difficult period of time for a lot of people. And it was a time in which like, I think there was a sort of pervasive sense of social economic decline. And I think like, the thing that I find interesting about those songs is that they kind of talk to, they speak to a human perspective, while like at least not all of it, but a lot of it not explicitly like addressing that context as much as they are sort of informed by it. Hmm. And so I was thinking that like, I guess I was thinking of these songs as being ones that do that, where it's sort of like, about these sort of like often quite kind of personal elements of existing in the world, but also like try to reflect or at least like take account for what the world has sort of felt like to live in Mm. over, you know, the last, I mean, this is maybe a universal thing, but certainly over the last like 10 years or so where it's just been sort of this, it's felt like this like state of, of sort of roiling disaster. And so it was, yeah, I think it was, that was kind of like, thematically sort of one of the ways they they link together there are other things there too but i think that was sort of like if i'm trying to talk about them as a group of songs i think that's sort of where where i was trying to land with it i can go deeper or less deep with that um but that's sort of like yeah that's the basic the basic idea well i as i say i'm very compelled by your writing uh do you have writing not even songwriting but do you have writing influences or things that you read on a regular basis that inspire you in terms of how you some of the wordplay is really really interesting a lot of sorry I didn't mean that sounded disparaging all of the wordplay is (laughs) very very fascinating and then that (laughs) coupled with your phrasing of it makes it even more hooky like when I was reading the lyric sheet and listening to the songs I missed some things Uh, you know having just listened I sort of missed some clever ways you did sort of word tags and, and connected uh, choruses to verses, which I thought was interesting. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting into singing more than maybe writing. My first question is writing. Uh, what is your writing background? Who are your writing influences? Can you cite any? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I like I the title of the record is uh, is part of the title of a course I took in university. I, I got a um, a lit degree, and the title of the record comes from a course called uh, Nihilism and Gnosticism in Modern Fiction. And so I think like there's a thing that kind of like dovetails with those like thematic ideas that I was talking about with like those '80s songs and that of like like Graham Greene is a big one that I like a lot, and I think he does the thing that's very similar to sort of what I'm talking about, where he it almost almost the reverse but he he sort of like will take these like very personal narratives that are then like that are placed very explicitly in the context of these sort of grand historical disasters like uh the comedians which is set in haiti during the revolution uh the quiet american which is obviously like probably his most famous book there's yeah i mean there's a there's a, there's a bunch of them in that kind of broader category but yeah like i, I think the thing that he does really interesting is just interestingly is the way the sort of like human elements of his stories and like sort of like what he's trying to say about like how people are functionally Mm. interplays with these sort of like historical moments and that's that's one that i've always found really compelling and he's just i mean he's just got a like in terms of just like the pure mechanics of his writing it has a sort of dry fluidity that i've always really liked so that's definitely definitely a big one for me yeah i mean that's like in terms of like non non non-musical stuff i mean i think musical stuff sorry I was just going to say that's that's that I appreciate you highlighting that. Um, but no, go ahead. You were going to talk about some musical influences as well. Go go forth. 
Oh yeah, I mean musically, like 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 Graham Down um, from the Verlaines is a really big one for me. I think he's got a really unique style of songwriting, and we actually he um, on this record we were talking to him about arranging some strings for it, which didn't end up working out. But we did have a bunch of nice emails, and he was like super down to kind of like talk about songwriting and the mechanics of it, which was really cool because he's he's oh, really nice. one of my songwriting heroes. They're super generous of him. Like he's a big one. I'm a big Bell and Sebastian fan. That was like kind of one of my first musical loves. Yeah, I, I can think, hear. Um, I can hear it. I can hear that for sure. Yeah, I think the way that like like Stewart as a lyricist is is obviously that's kind of I guess like his most noted strength. But he's yeah, he's really really great, and somebody who I think like is just kind of baked into the way I think about songwriting. And the, I mean, the Go Betweens is a big one too. I feel like we talk about them a lot, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's, I, there's a lot of that in in sort of I think the way that I've learned to think about songwriting. Well, it's yeah, I, I can hear of those influences uh, that I'm aware of. I can hear them. Uh, some I'm not as deeply uh, immersed in, so I, I'm now I'm compelled to go check them out. But I'm also not just hunting for influences. I think you've uh, created something very unique here, Evan. I I wonder. I know you're not a words person per se, mm-hmm. but do you find that when you and Tom are engaged in conversation? or making observational commentary to one another, even, if you will, which I think is a longer way of saying conversation. <laughs> Sorry. Um, do, do you find that some of that stuff seeps into what Tom writes about? Are you, do you pick out things like, oh, yeah, I know where that's coming from. Does that occur? Yeah, I, I think so. Like, especially making this record, we made it during the pandemic. So we were kind of like the only two people that saw each other for a whole year. So, like, I remember at one point we were talking about uh, Australian rules football, which is Australia's oh. uh, <laughs> version of uh, football. And uh, I had mentioned the the final at the end, the Super Bowl, is called the Grand Final. And uh, Tom took took yes. that and yes. wrote a song called Grand Final Day um, because he thought the expression was so funny, which is just something I've grown up with and never thought about as a strange thing. I assumed other sports had grand finals, but I guess not. <laughs> I will say, I will say, grand final for a, a final football or final football game makes way more sense than Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yes. <laughs> more straightforward. What the hell is a Super Bowl? Why is it called the Super Bowl? Grand final. Everything I need to know is right yeah. there. You know, Super Bowl makes me feel like something's just starting, not ending. Oh, okay, they're going to launch the Super Bowl. So we better, what's going to happen next? Grand final, I'd be like, okay, I'm heading somewhere. This will be it. You know what totally. I mean? Evan's uh, uh, also not mentioning the part where I, I, because of like, I like, because it was the pandemic and I was bored, I then developed like maybe like a 36 hour obsession with Australian rules football and was just watching like highlight package after highlight package on the internet. Uh, I got really excited about it, but like only for a minute until I realized that like I'd have to wake up at five or 5 a.m. to watch it. And then I was like, all right, that's, that's, <laughs> I've, I've had about enough then. But it was, uh, it was very yes. exciting for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's humorous in itself. Uh, Tom, I'm. we've talked a little bit about the themes. We've talked a little bit about your songwriting influences. And I don't know that we delved so much into the observational part. I was just kind of talking about that a little bit in terms of maybe how even you guys engaged in conversation might influence a song. But Toronto, I'm wondering about Toronto. I mean, Evan was saying he's been in Toronto 14 years. Are you Are you actually from Toronto originally, Tom? No, I'm not. I uh, yeah, I was born in the UK, and then I grew up mostly in like Northern Virginia, like near DC. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, so you're, but you're not American per se. 
No, I, I actually just got approved for Canadian citizenship. I'm, I'm being sworn in on September 23rd. Um, oh, congratulations. Yeah, That's great. it's cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just I'm, I have a UK passport. I used to have a green card in the US, but no longer. Okay, but how long have you been in Toronto? <sighs> um, since 2006. Oh, roughly around the same time, over 15 years, yeah. I guess. Okay, so I wonder if Toronto plays a particular role on the songs on this record. And within that, I also wonder how, and I'll feel that I'll ask this of both of you, and I just don't want it to slip my mind. I just wonder how immersed in sort of a Toronto arts community Ducks Limited feels. Uh, because I talk to bands and some feel like they're really connected to a community. Some feel like it's a bit insular. Also, Toronto itself is becoming a wasteland for music venues. Uh, there's nowhere to play because they keep getting shut down. Anyway, a whole lot of stuff going on there. But let's start with Toronto as a place, as a setting uh, where you guys live. Does Toronto play any kind of role, Tom, in your songs here? I mean, I think on the EP, uh, it's a really big part of that. I think like the sort of like major like thematic thrust of that EP was sort of the city and the way people interact with and talk about it. Like, it, it was a thing, I think, for me that that EP was sort of at a time where I was seeing a lot of people sort of do the same thing of, like, blaming Toronto for all their problems and then trying to leave it and then finding out that the new place they'd gone wasn't really, like, that the problem was them. Yeah. That it didn't fix it to leave. And that was, like, kind of a big part of that of, like, I think there are many really great things about Toronto. I really like it here. But I think, like, one of its major pastimes is complaining about itself. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, like, a thing that on the EP was a thing that kind of had really struck me as somebody who sort of moved here and, and not uncritically, but does, like, really love it. And I think it's a great place to live, a great place to do a lot of things. But, like, I, like I kind of had this... Yeah, this like feeling of like especially people who had more grown up here and had this sort of like revulsion to it and like kind of trying to understand that. The new record, I feel like less so, I think partly maybe because we wrote it during the pandemic, it sort of didn't really feel like we lived anywhere. Mm. Um, mm. So I think every city became kind of the same in that it, it sort of lost a lot of the things that makes a city a city during the writing process, which was sort of April to like, November of last year. Oh, okay. And so I think like the result of that is that it's sort of like the setting is a little bit more abstract in most cases. But the setting, um, but the setting, if you will, is pandemic influenced. I mean, not really. I, I think I was trying to avoid locating it in that as much as possible, which is, I think, why it's maybe less tied to place hmm. because I think place sort of felt difficult to grasp in that moment. Yeah, sure. And so it was a thing where it kind of, it made sense to me to sort of like try and see how, how I could cut that out of it or, or like I, it was, it wasn't a focus in the same way. Yeah. But I mean, I think, I think like the, in, to your other question, I think like the sort of Toronto music community and scene has definitely been a, a big deal for us. I mean, it inevitably has sort of ebbs and flows, but it's like, we wouldn't know each other uh, without it. I definitely think that, you know, I, I would have probably long ago stopped making music if it weren't for it. Okay, well, that's that's good to hear. Um, Evan, do you, do you want to speak on that? Is Do you like Toronto? Do you feel a part of a community as an artist in Toronto? Yeah, for sure. It's a big city, and it's, like, extremely diverse. So it's, like, it's never felt like there was, like, one scene that we were a part of. But we have so many friends and so many bands of different genres and things. 
who we're always interacting with. And I really like that. And you kind of, you know, you might play on a friend's record that's of a different genre and interact in that way. But I would say, yeah, I love it. Most of my friends are in bands. And yeah, as Tom said, it, I probably wouldn't be playing in bands if I left. So I think it's good. It's just, yeah, it is easy to complain about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is it better than Australia? It's hard for me to say because I've spent 14 years here. So, like, I went back yeah. and Australia has an incredible music scene and I'm from not too far from Melbourne, which is such a great music city. Yeah. There's always so much good stuff coming from there and going on. But it's hard for me to compare it, like, having not been in bands or really, like, hung around there too long right yeah right but toronto we're very we're very lucky as you say that we're so close to like new york and chicago that it is a route for like touring bands yeah i remember moving here and just being shocked that almost every night of the week you could see an incredible band you know and and that's a huge part of the city it's just like oh okay you know the pixies are playing on wednesday let's go and see them and hmm. it doesn't feel like this huge event whereas australia being so isolated you know, you've bought your tickets so far in advance mm -hmm. and things are a lot more expensive and fewer things come by. So I think Toronto is really great for just getting exposed to so much music. Well, uh, but this is why Toronto complains about everything because they don't know how good they have it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because I, I <laughs> having, having uh, moved away from Toronto in the last year and a half or whatever it's been, I haven't had a chance to miss anything because nothing's really happened moving to Alberta the way I have with my family. But... Uh, it's weird. I'm an Ontario person, so I know when stuff does come back. Even the little hints that things were coming back uh, in recent months made me a little like, oh, I'm going to miss stuff. But whatever. It is it is what it is. I, uh, I don't need to ask Tom if Toronto is better than Virginia because I know the answer is yes. Uh, so we'll, <laughs> we'll leave... We'll leave that question behind. That's I will. Yeah. <laughs> I will uh, take this opportunity to ask uh, uh, Tom if people want to learn more about Ducks Limited and this wonderful record, Modern Fiction. Where would you like to direct them, per se? Oh, I suppose to the the websites of our wonderful record labels, um, Royal Mountain Records uh, in Canada and Car Park uh, Records elsewhere. That's probably the easiest central hub for information relating to the album. Okay. And for the band, are you on all the various platforms? We are, yeah. We're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, which I neglect. Right. <laughs> okay. That's what everyone's doing now. We're at that age. We're of the age where you just neglect Facebook. That's what it's there for, to ignore and neglect. Yeah. No, I get that. And and, and so that so people can go there for the information about the record. Evan, do you at this point, I know things are precarious. Yeah. Are there future plans for Ducks Limited right now that you can share, whether it's tour dates or have you begun writing new songs, stuff like that? Is there anything that you can tell us? Yeah, we've got a bunch of shows coming up. So we've got our Toronto release show, which is on October 1st, which is currently happening at the Garrison. And then a week later, we're playing in New York at a venue called The Broadway in Brooklyn. Um, and then in February, we're heading across to the UK for a whole string of dates. Oh, nice. Why would they name a venue in Brooklyn the Broadway? There's already a Broadway in New York. I would be... I'm sorry, guys. I'm angry at the place you're playing. That doesn't make any sense. Come up with a different I, name. I don't know. They did it with... Remember Shea Stadium? Was yes, that's right. It's a similar like, yeah. theme in New York. Of, yeah. Okay, I get it. You, you name, <laughs> naming, yeah, naming things, things that are yeah. already that's, there. 
New York is dumb. I've been watching the U.S. Open and I hate all the, I hate every crowd shot. I hate everyone I see in the crowd. That's just how I feel. I'm sorry I'm so angry today. They all wow. seem like, they seem like jerks. Yeah, just New York jerks. They have to tell them to stop talking and stop, you know, put on masks. I hate it. I hate it. Anyway, I love, I also, I will say, I love New York. Great city. I just, does that, does that soften the blows? I, I hope it does. <laughs> It certainly seems like there's a tension there. Yeah, no, I know. I, yeah. I do love it, but I, I hate the people in the U.S. Open. Uh, okay, so uh, we've, we've future plans. It sounds like there's a lot coming up, so we'll go to your respective uh, label sites for more information and follow you on all the things. I, I do hope we can go out on a song from this record, uh, which, as people are hearing it, is going to be out very, very soon. Uh, and I'm going to go to Evan, actually, because I think, Tom, you're maybe too close to the songs. You're closer anyway. I'm sure you're both very close to them. Ask Evan to pick a song and then ask Tom to explain maybe why he thinks Evan chose that song and maybe a little bit about what it's about. So these are the rules of this game. Evan, can you choose a song from Modern Fiction for us to play for people right now? Oh, yeah. Let's do Old Times. Old times. Okay, now first of all, before we go to Tom, Evan, why did you select that song? I think it's my favorite on the record. It's the last one we did, and it seems to stick with me the most. Okay, fair enough. Tom, your task now is to talk a little bit about old times and maybe corroborate or dispute Evan's claim to it being his favorite song because he may have made a mistake in choosing... Old Times is his favorite song. Tom, please comment on all of the above. That is very interesting to me because I do, I, I think that is the first time Evan has said that, that I have heard him say that. I did not realize that was a favorite. Uh, I do remember that we have a long running disagreement about the merits of Neil Young. And <laughs> when I played him that song, Evan said that that was the closest to a Neil Young song I'd ever written. Which could be taken for for whatever it's worth. But did you know that he has an album called Old Times? I actually didn't know that. <laughs> this is new information yeah. to me. Yeah, you can find out which side of the Neil Young divide I come down on uh, based on the fact <laughs> that I did not know that. Um, but, uh, um, Maybe I'm thinking. Oh wait, no, it's called Old Ways. I think actually, as a Neil Young fan, but, I should know this off the top of my head. But doesn't he have one that just came out called The Times? Yeah, that's okay. Maybe that's why I'm getting confused. And plus, my new my rant earlier. I, I think that's why I said it was his most new young reference to album title. Oh, okay. There you go. That that maybe is what I'm thinking of because I'm even blanking on this. Sorry, cut you off, Tom. Go go for it. Oh yeah, those, yeah. That, I mean, that was yeah. Was that was the last one we wrote? It was this thing I'd been playing with forever, just like this little like chord progression that I couldn't get to work, and then it all kind of slotted in at the last minute. Yeah, I don't know. I think. Uh, I like that one too. I'm happy to hear that it, it connects. I feel like that's one of the connected with Evan, I guess. It's one of like the, the ones I, I'm least confident about what I'm talking about in it, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, in which, in which I, I think I know what I mean, but I feel like I might be talking about something else as well. But, well that's uh, interesting. You're, you're, you're flummoxed by your own creation. Yeah, I think it's a thing that happens not infrequently with these songs where it's like I think I'm writing one thing and then I find out I was actually kind of writing something else a little bit later on. Hmm. But that's one that, yes, like, because we, we recorded it, like, absolutely last. We tracked everything else, and we were just doing overdubs. And then at the last second, we decided that, like, it was finished, and we were going to throw it on. And so, yeah, it's like, that's one I'm still kind of trying to figure out, I think. Processing. I get it. Okay. 
Well, let's let's let other people have a, a go at this song that uh, should not be confused with the Neil Young album Old Ways or his recent EP The Times. This is modern, uh, rather <laughs> from the album Modern Fiction. This is Ducks Limited with uh, Old Times. Uh, Tom, Evan, this was a tremendous pleasure for me to get to chat with you. I hope you enjoyed yourselves, and I wish you the best of luck uh, in the future. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
Well, I really enjoyed hanging out with uh, Tom and Evan. Sometimes you meet people so this way, virtually, whatever it is, and uh, you have a good time. I, I had a good time with Tom and Evan, and I want to thank them for, you know, letting me feature their band, Ducks Limited, on this, the 639th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. $6 or more grants you access to exclusive content And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, please message me on Patreon and I will get you one while supplies last and also as soon as is humanly possible during a pandemic. Thanks again to uh, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for this particular show. I also want to thank uh, my old friend in Toronto there, Jim Guthrie, He lets me use some music of his on the show. He's always up to something. I'm not saying he's scheming or planning anything nefarious, but he's always up to some musical stuff and vast catalog of things. He does all sorts of kinds of music. You know, he does sort of pop songs and he writes music for video games and he's all over TikTok, I think. I deleted the TikTok app and he's going to be mad at me because he was trying to convince me to be on TikTok more and I was like, I don't want to do that. Anyway, you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. He's a great guy fine tiktoker i think as far as that goes finally thank you for listening to this episode with uh, ducks limited i hope you check out their album modern fiction it's a great one and uh, i also hope you'll consider uh, listening to this show again someday even the ones that don't have ducks limited as guests there's other good ones in the back you know in the past back catalog but also coming up and one way to keep tabs on the show is to subscribe to the podcast or follow it depending on what you're favorite platform asks you to do uh, you can also tell your friends about the show in a positive way I, I, it'd be nice if you didn't uh, tell your friends negative things about the show because that's what spreading the word means right it can be the word can be good the word could be bad in this case if you hate the show keep it to yourself but if you like the show go to your friends tell them about how much you like the show and that they should listen to it and then, and then you can have a little discussion about it together it'll be fun social Anyway, that's all I have to say for now. I feel like I've said too much. Talk to you very soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.